I love spaghetti and cheese fries. Usually. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. As I write and record this episode of Good Story, we are one week into the new year. All the possibilities are still before us. The clean slate, the blank page, the open road, all the metaphors you can think of still apply. But what if? What if what gets written on our page is a story we don't like so much? What if, as we take to the open road, we find ourselves wanting to get off at a rest area and instead break down miles from it? It could happen, you know. Life doesn't always go as we intend for it to. And life doesn't only supply us with met goals, fulfilled expectations, and problem-free pathways. So what do we do when instead life dumps on us? When Kenny and I were in college together, we were both part of the male chorus. He joined because he loves to sing. He thought it'd be a great way to get to know people at school, and it fulfilled some of his necessary fine arts credits. I joined not, as everyone said, over and over and over again that year because I wanted to meet a guy. Rather, I joined because, as a music major, I needed X amount of performance credits throughout my four years in school and was told by my advisor that the male chorus needed an accompanist. So I auditioned and got the part. I stayed there for two years before I joined the college choir for something different to do. Although I will admit I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that I actually did meet Kenny through my involvement there, but that's not why I joined. Our group met a couple times a week, and at various times throughout the year, we go and perform on an occasional weekend. We also were involved in our school's Christmas production and things like that in the spring. We travel over spring break as well and perform mostly at schools and churches. Whenever we'd sing at a church, the people of the congregation would volunteer to provide a meal for us, which was awfully nice of them, and most often the food was really good. On one particular evening, we were fortunate enough to get spaghetti. Kenny's all-time favorite food is spaghetti and meatballs. It continues to be what we serve on his birthday, that and his grandma's recipe for what their family calls picnic chocolate cake. It's a chocolate cake with a light mocha frosting that is so good served cold. But the church didn't know about the picnic chocolate cake part. I actually didn't get the recipe until we'd been married for a few years. But they did make a wonderful spaghetti. We arrived at the church a bit before the concert was to start. Our group did a quick sound check in the sanctuary, and we talked through the flow for the evening. Then we had just a short time to go downstairs to the fellowship hall to eat and change into our concert attire. We lined up at the counter, and the pastor prayed for us, and we began filing through the dinner line. Some sweet little old lady suggested that I go first, because I was the lady. So I did. I got my food, then I walked to an open table, sat down, and began to eat. I was glad for the head start, as it usually took me a little longer to get ready than it did the guys, and I wanted enough time to run through a solo that I had to play later on. Kenny got his food, and as he walked past me to an open chair, he pretended to trip and acted like his spaghetti was going to slide off his plate onto my head. I laughed, he laughed. 
The guy behind Kenny saw this funny joke and thought he'd get in on it too. So he did the same thing as he walked by. I politely smiled. Then the next guy did it, and I was like, well, that's something not original. Guy after guy walked by thinking they were the funniest ever and expected a reaction. I quit handing out reactions until the last guy. He wasn't the last guy in the line, but he was the last guy to chew the joke. He'd been watching this go on the whole while he'd been waiting in line. He obviously had it in his mind that he was definitely going to participate in this now-tired joke. He filled his plate with spaghetti. He carried it in his hands. He carried his bread and water with his other hand. As he approached my table, I, of course, was ready for him. Well, I thought I was ready for him. He came in hot. He faked like he tripped. He lunged his plate forward as though his spaghetti was going to slide off the plate onto my head. But he didn't quite have an understanding of the physics of it all. And while his plate went forward and he jerked the plate back, he did so too quickly. The momentum was on the side of the spaghetti. So his spaghetti actually did slide off the plate, hit me on the right side of my face, slid onto my right shoulder, and draped itself like tinsel down my arm. It was hot. I was wearing a short sleeve shirt. I grabbed napkins to wipe off my face and looked up to see the back of this guy as he sped off. I did a little time check. Ah, uh, no time to wash my hair. No time to practice my song now. And well, uh, I guess I was almost done eating anyway. I'll just leave now and start cleaning up. You might be thinking, oh man, that guy, that poor guy might have felt so embarrassed or stupid or maybe he felt awkward or guilty. He maybe did. I'm not sure. He never said anything to me. After that incident, I did talk to him once when we were getting back on the bus after the concert. I saw him walking past me, not making eye contact. So I said, hey, think fast. He jumped, but I didn't do anything. And we never talked about it again. I don't know where this guy is now. I do remember his name. I'm just choosing not to use it in my story. I wish this was the only time something hot hit me in the face and slid down my shoulder and arm. But it's not. About six years after the spaghetti incident... Kenny and I were married and living in the Chicago area. He recently had graduated from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School with his Master's of Divinity degree. He was on staff at Village Church of Lincolnshire full-time as their youth pastor. I worked there part-time as the piano player and was teaching piano lessons out of our home. We moved around a lot our first six years of marriage as we got settled, started our family, and sublet places while he was out in school. We lived in Wakanda, Libertyville, Vernon Hills, Lincolnshire, Deerfield, and Mundelein. We loved having people come and stay with us wherever we were living. And when they did, we for sure at least once went downtown Chicago, either by train or car for the day. We loved Chicago. We still do. I can't remember exactly where we were living this particular time, but one time Kenny's parents had driven out for a visit. We were always really excited when they'd come. We loved spending time with them. Sometimes they'd stay with us, and sometimes we'd meet them downtown and stay at a hotel for the weekend. It was super fun. Because Kenny's dad was in the restaurant business, and because he loved great food and researched restaurants, whenever they came to see us, we'd go to so many great places. The Cape Cod Room, Carson's Ribs, Smith & Walensky. We'd get popcorn from Garrett's. We'd eat deep-dish pizza at Giordano's or Pizza Uno or wherever we were hungry for. Once in a while, they'd ask us to choose a place that maybe we were interested in. One visit, we told them we wanted to go to Ed DeBevick's because we knew our kids would love it. They actually, I noticed, last time we were there, closed the River North location that we used to go to. But 
Anyway, I heard they were opening another location somewhere downtown, but I don't know where it is. Um, which information right now is neither here nor there, I guess. But back to the story. Back to Ed DeBex. In order to get a better picture of this place, I thought I'd read their own description right off of their website. It says, Ed DeBevick, since 1984, has been Chicago's only retro-themed diner. Quirky servers in flashy costumes serve up great burgers, hot dogs, homemade chili, fries with gravy or cheese, huge salads, milkshakes, and ice cream sundaes with a side order of sass. Don't expect this diner to be a please-and-thank-you-sir kind of place. The servers pride themselves on snarky remarks and even drop their trays to do choreographed dance numbers on the soda counters. Who doesn't want to get there, right? You get the idea. Burgers, shakes, hot dogs, and sass. Lots for our kids to see. We used to take our youth group kids there every year as well. So this time, Kenny and I, his parents, and our three older kids, Tim wasn't born yet, found ourselves at Ed Devavix, seated at a long table by a snarky hostess, and then greeted by an equally snarky waiter. Hurry up, we don't have all day, he'd say while we were reading the menu. Hey, kid, make up your mind already, he'd add if it was taking us a while. If you started any sentence with, can I have a whatever, you'd likely get a, I don't know, can you? (laughs) In response. We made it through the ordering stage. The kids were coloring on the placemats, and we were waiting for our food. I thought it would be great if diners could return snarky comments as we were waiting. Hurry up, we don't have all day. But we didn't do that. Eventually, our food came. Our waiter set down the kids' meals, kind of tossing them at them as he did so. They laughed. They thought that was so funny. He came back with our food, and as he was lifting our burgers and soups and shakes off his very full tray, he apparently removed the cheese fries stopper. Apparently, the large basket of cheese fries that had been on the tray with all the rest of the food was secure only as long as the burgers were present. You know... Kind of like a junior high kid. I'm secure if there's at least one other somebody with me that I know. Well, apparently cheese fries are the junior high of food because when the burger plates were lifted off of the tray, they no longer felt the need to stay there without them. Instead, they started sliding toward the burgers from one end of the tray to the other, gaining speed as they did so until they fell off the tray, hit my right cheek like a car full of test dummies. They slammed into my face, tipped over, and fries and cheese started sliding slowly slowly down my arm like the glacial melt. It was hot cheese. It burned. I jumped. Who wouldn't? I wasn't expecting it. Our previously snarky waiter now turned sheepish. He started out taking fries off of me, but then quickly realized that was a bad idea. He left and came back with a dish towel and more fries. These are on the house, he said, which I thought sounded way better than on my face. Right now I'm just like, put them on the table. He continued to check on us constantly, on our kids. How's your meal? How are you feeling? Do you like it? Etc. I kept assuring him, I'm fine. I'm fine. I have no intention of suing the restaurant. My burger is real good. Thank you. Now here's the deal. As we look to the year ahead, none of us knows what's in store for us, do we? I hope that each one of us can steer clear from someone else's spaghetti fiasco and likewise that each of you gets your cheese fries delivered right to your table, but it might not happen that way. You and I might find ourselves getting dumped on, maybe by a friend, maybe by a stranger. Likely, it will be unintentional, but maybe it won't. Either way, the end result is going to be the same. You'll be hurt. It might be physical. It might be emotional. You might find yourself disappointed and sad. 
You might experience a struggle that you'd rather not face, which, if we're honest, is like all struggles, really. Like, who loves a struggle? But here's what I'd like to suggest. Here's what I'd like to invite you to consider. When life hits you with something that throws you off that you didn't plan for and that might be causing you pain, stop. Pray. Tell God all about it. I mean like all about it. Use your real voice and your real words coming from your real heart. You don't need to sugarcoat your feelings for God. He sees you. He feels you. He gets you because he made you. Tell him all about it. And then hold on. Hold on not to your expectations and pain. Don't continue to mull over how you've been wronged and why the other person deserves your cold shoulder or your disdain or your wrath or your gossip. Instead, hold on to the righteous right hand of the Lord. Psalm 41.3 says, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. God is still God no matter our circumstances. He is the Lord, the one who holds the world together. He knows and understands our fears and our anxieties. He doesn't fault us for having them. Instead, he invites us to not give in to that fear, knowing that he is the one who will help us. We don't need to fight our battles ourselves. Instead, we can leave that to the Lord. And we can walk, trusting him to direct our steps, and trusting that when those steps walk us past tough stuff or even through it, we can know that he continues to hold on to our right hand. Did you see in that verse, Psalm 41, 3, we just read? It says, he takes hold of our right hand. And what we know about God is that he will not let us go. In fact, as the verse says, we need not fear because he's our help. In the meantime, we can also put Ecclesiastes 7, 9 into practice where it says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. We can put into practice patience during the times in our lives when things are not going according to plan. We can be, as James says, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Ecclesiastes puts it right out there. Anger resides in the lap of fools, the writer says. Don't be the first person irritated. Don't be the first to react out of anger. Instead, stop, wait, recognize the presence of the Lord holding your right hand and helping you. You need not fear. You need not react. Instead, trust him to help you. And finally, when life dumps on you, when you least expect it, as James 1, 2-4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy, it says, when you're facing trials. Pure joy. Not fun, happy, pure joy. The joy you have is clearly not coming from your circumstances, so any joy that might be found in your heart is pure. It's coming from a hope that you have deep within you, not by what's coming out around you. We will all face trials, all of us. Anyone who says you won't is deceived and is carrying out that deception. Jesus did, Paul did, David did. We all will face struggles. But recognize in this time, you don't need to lose faith. Instead, you have the opportunity to allow your faith to persevere. Faith doesn't persevere because your faith is strong enough or you're the best Christian ever, so your faith can for sure persevere. Nope. Instead, your faith perseveres, can endure, can remain steadfast in the waiting because the object of our faith is the one in whom we trust who is faithful and true. He is trustworthy. He helps us, as we see in James 1.3. He's also continuing to do his work in each of our lives, maturing us, growing us, completing the work he started so that we will lack nothing. I pray this year holds many, many, many blessings for you. 
I pray that your trials will be at a minimum. I pray that for myself too. I really do. But if and when the trials come, I also pray that you will feel God holding on to your right hand, helping you, maturing you, calming your fears, and quieting your tongue, giving you peace and patience no matter what gets dumped on you.